CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the show. It's Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash and myself talking investing, finance, and retirement. We're going to talk about Giving Tuesday, this go around here on the podcast. Now we're dropping it two days afterwards, so maybe it's you know Giving Thursday. I don't know. But we're going to get into that in just a second. But if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do. You can find us on all the podcasting platform apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, all that stuff. You can also just go to Don's website, which is doncashpodcast.com. That's doncashpodcast.com. We have some instructions on there for how to do it. It's very simple. But when you open up the app that you're using and you find the podcast, you just hit the little heart button, and that usually subscribes you to the service to, to this show. So it's an easy way to do it. And you can find the instructions at the bottom of that page if you need some help with that. Again, at doncashpodcast.com. Don, my friend, what's going on, buddy? Welcome uh, into December. How are you? Hey, Mark. How are you? I can't believe it's December already. It's, I know. Uh, you know, we just got uh, done with Thanksgiving uh, a few days ago and just kind of back in the saddle here, uh, finishing out the year strong. Yeah, very good. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, uh, belated, obviously, but, you know, hope everybody had did have a good holiday and all that good stuff. I had a good one. Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was great. Great time of refreshing. Nice. I like the four-day weekend now, Mark. I mean, years ago when I first started working, we always worked the day after Thanksgiving. That was like considered a work day, and I'm sure people remember that. But now it's really, you know, for the pretty much standard, it's a four-day yeah. Uh, yeah. weekend. And for my kids, they were off from school all week last week. Well, so everybody's like, trying to shop, right, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to do. I think they just want to just have the time off. So, you know, we had a great family weekend, and... Um, of course, just when I thought I could relax, avoid shopping on Black Friday, watch some football, here comes the variant, right? Omicron. <laughs> yeah. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Remember the Jaws tagline? Oh, yeah. yeah, we were joking just before that. It sounds like a bad guy or it sounds like a villain name from like a Transformers movie or something, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, Omicron. I don't even, is that how you say it? Omicron? Omicron, Omicron, Omicron. Something it's like, like you, you know, you're the first one to tell me uh, almost two years ago now that that uh, coronavirus is COVID nineteen, mm-hmm, right? Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, now we're on to like you know COVID twenty twenty one, COVID twenty two. It's like, yeah. does it ever, does it ever end? But uh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny. Last weekend before um, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. we spent uh, four days in Florida. Okay. And got back, you know, right before Thanksgiving week or the, the couple of days before Thanksgiving. Right, right. And, and the crowds were huge. So it remains to be seen if this is going to change the travel plans of many Americans. I hope not. I mean, the travel entertainment and, of course, the business travel in- industry is just kind of starting to get back on its feet. Yeah, I think most people are just so tired, you know, of dealing with all this stuff that, yeah, we'll see, right? It remains to be seen. We'll see how it goes. But I think a lot of people probably are just, you know, like we got to continue to trudge along and do what we need to do. So, uh, but we'll, we'll transition out of that and get into this conversation that I brought up at the start of the show here, Don. So, because we all know that, you know, obviously the Friday after Thanksgiving is Black Friday. People get out and do their shopping stuff and all the deals and so on and so forth. Monday is Cyber Monday. But many don't know that Tuesday, just and we're dropping this on Thursday, so just two days ago, is Giving Tuesday. I've got a few uh, advisor friends and some other friends who are very heavy into this every year. And as part of uh, the year in planning, it's a good time to understand 
the giving options, because people do get very charitable, right, through this time of year, if you are so inclined. So I know that there were some law changes over the past years that affected giving, Don. What can we do between now and year end to help some charities and ourselves and so on and so forth tax-wise? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because December, of course, is certainly the season for giving, right? Both for friends and family, but also for charities as well. And, you know, of course, most people don't give to get a tax break per se. It's more of a mindset. Right. You know, and certainly we're incredibly fortunate to live where we do. And many of us have done well over the past two years in particular, unlike, you know, a lot of those unfortunate among us who who have really struggled and suffered over the past year and a half, two years. And many charities as well, Mark, have had a very, very hard time raising money for their programs recently. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that does come up in relation to giving are these tax consequences. So a few things to be aware of. First of all, there are far fewer people now who get a tax break for charitable giving compared to a few years ago, but there's still some great opportunities. So why is the reason for far fewer people getting the tax break? Um, The answer is the standard deduction on our tax return has more than doubled with a tax law change that went into effect in 2018, right? right we remember right. that. We reap those benefits and there's trade-offs, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it was actually a law that was passed in 2017, went into effect in 2018. So first, some basics regarding uh, charitable donations okay. and tax benefits. Mm-hmm. Once you establish what's called your adjusted gross income for the year on your tax returns, That includes things like wages and IRA income, of course, dividends, interest, capital gains, that sort of thing. Right. You get to reduce your taxable income by taking what's called itemized deductions. And these are typically uh, things like mortgage interest, right? State and local taxes, things like property taxes, medical expense deductions, real estate expenses. And one of the most common itemized deductions is also charitable contributions. If you're married right now, a married couple, and all these itemized deductions add up to, let's say, for example, $20,000, you're really better off not taking an itemized deduction, but a standard deduction because the standard deduction now, Mark, is $25,100 for a married couple. Right, right. So it's designed to keep things simple So you don't need to keep all of these records, which can get quite cumbersome. And better yet, if you're over age 65, they bump up the deduction further and add an extra $1,350 per person. So for a married couple over the age of 65, the standard deduction is $27,800 for this year and it's going up again next year. So in the former tax code, the reason why more people itemized, Mark, is that the standard deduction was only $12,700 for a couple and only $6,350 for a single person. So a lot more people did itemize back then. Uh, So the bottom line is now more than 87% of the population takes a standard deduction. The bottom line is that the current tax code is a lot more friendly the simplification with the deductions. 
but potentially less friendly to charities. I got you. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of us probably are familiar with this after the last couple of years. I know it was much easier for me, Don, you know, as a CPA and, and I'm going to talk with a CPA and so on and so forth. I'm taking them the stuff. It's just less, you know, to your point, there's less paperwork, less things you had to kind of pull together. And that's certainly a lot of people uh, that, you know, keeping that detailed list doesn't really seem to matter, right, of, of giving. So wasn't there a special like allowance or something like 300 bucks? Am I off on that for last year? No, you're right about that, okay. actually. That was part of this uh, the COVID relief bill of ah, last year. Okay, yes. So it was expanded for this year, too. You can deduct a $300 cash gift if you're single or $600 if you're married, as a cash gift, even if you don't itemize your deduction. And a cash gift, by the way, is not a contribution to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a, not a, a cash one. gift to Don. There you go. Okay. It's only for this year and last year. But even though the higher standard deduction reduces the number of people that itemize their charitable deductions, Mark, mm -hmm. there's still a lot of other smart ways to still get a tax break. And one of those opportunities for better breaks is forgiving for people who are over the age of 70 and a half. These folks get to essentially double dip uh, by getting both the higher standard deduction as well as something called a qualified charitable distribution from their IRA that counts toward their required IRA distribution for the year. Right. And we've talked about the QCDs before, Don, but I thought the new rule for the required distribution is 72. So did I miss something there? Tell us how that works. No, yeah, it's a good question. It does come up from time to time. The new law was called the SECURE Act. Right, right. It changed the age of the first required distribution of the IRA or 401k to age 72. It used to be 70 and a half. Mm -hmm. However, the minimum age requirement for this qualified charitable distribution, they uh, kept it at age 70 and a half. They didn't move it to age 72. So it's a bit of a quirk. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So here's how it works. Let's just, as an example, let's say a person is over age 72 and has an IRA required distribution of, let's say, $50,000. If that person typically gives $10,000 to a church or other qualified charity during the year, they can give the money now directly from their IRA to the charity, and that amount counts toward their required minimum distribution for the year. So they're taxed on the $40,000 that they keep for themselves, and the $10,000 that the charity got mm -hmm. is not taxable, and they still get to take the higher standard deduction, which is almost $28,000, of course, if they're married. So this is a technical move, and, and you need careful records and coordination with a tax preparer. That's very important. Uh, we take care of this for our clients, but it's something that people should be aware of, particularly if they're charitably inclined and they're over age 70 and a half. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, and hopefully that is, again, some of the useful information that you pick up here on the podcast, because it's what we try to talk about. I mean, obviously, Don is a CPA and a CFP, so we go over this good stuff. And we always have these little interesting nuggets, these little quirks, as Don pointed out, to kind of highlight. And I guess that does work out better, Don, because if they are in good health, right, they won't have medical deductions. And if their home is paid off, 
there are no mortgage interest deductions. The only deduction might be those property taxes you mentioned and charities, which would make it kind of pointless to itemize. So, Yeah, it's exactly right. So uh, a $10,000 qualified charitable distribution in that example, that could save someone over $2,000 or more in taxes. That's cool. That's a win-win, right? For the charity and the client. Yeah. Uh, Any other moves that we should be aware of before year end? What if a person is under the 70 and a half and does still choose to itemize their deductions? Yeah, that's a good question because that still is out there. It's not completely uncommon. Another COVID relief law that was signed last year that affects only giving for this year is a provision that allows people to give cash contributions up to a hundred percent of their adjusted gross income. The, the former law, and it were it reverts back to is sixty percent. Yeah, uh, this has got to be for higher income folks, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, many people found themselves in a better position financially, as I mentioned before, over the past eighteen months than than uh, even before that time. Mm-hmm. So, for a person. Over the age of 59 and a half and under 70 and a half, who does itemize their deduction, this is for people who do itemize, Okay, they could take money from their IRA, of course, that's a taxable event, and donate that money to their charity and take a deduction. You follow? Right, right. Of course, the withdrawal is taxable, but the deduction would be a reduction of their taxable income as well. So it's just a way to get money out of the IRA, donate it, and it becomes sort of a wash for people that itemize their taxes. And it needs to be a donation to a church or a charity, not a donor-advised fund uh, to get that 100% deduction. Gotcha. Okay. What if someone wants to donate something like uh, appreciated stock or maybe some real estate? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That can be a, a great idea as well. And you see more and more of this, Mark, because people do have stock that they bought years ago, right? And it's got you know very high value. Sure, yeah. But they're kind of stuck with this issue of you know what are they going to do with the stock? So, uh, for example, many people have stock they bought outside of their IRA or their four hundred one k long time ago, and it's got what they call a low tax basis. Uh, that and the stock has skyrocketed in value. So, yeah. for example, let's say you bought uh, Microsoft stock or Apple stock for ten thousand dollars. Uh, and but now it's worth two hundred thousand dollars. If you sold the stock and then took the cash to donate the money to charity, mm-hmm. you first need to pay taxes on that gain of one hundred ninety thousand mm. dollars, right? So basically, you're paying the taxes, sure. yeah. and then you're donating the money to the charity. A better move would be just to donate the stock directly to the charity, so you get the tax deduction for the gift. And you avoid the tax on the $190,000 gain. So that it truly is a win-win for both you and the charity. Um, of course, there are adjusted gross income limits and things like that on something like this. And you might need to carry forward the deduction up for, to a total of five years on your tax return. But it's a nice idea for people that have an appreciated stock, don't need to live 
on it and they are charitably inclined. There you go. Well, it certainly can be a great strategy. And of course, strategy is really what it comes down to when you're talking about getting to and through retirement. And if you need some help, you know, as always, reach out to Don. He does offer that 15-minute strategy session, that complimentary conversation about the situation. So maybe you find yourself looking to do some charitable giving. Uh, today's topic on the podcast. Stop by his main website, which is donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. You can book some time there. There's a lot of good tools, tips, resources. You can just call him. 800-664-1183, again, for that strategy session, 800-664-1183. Don, anything else uh, that you want to add before we get on to the uh, cash connection, to the question of the day? Yeah, from a state planning standpoint, Mark, it's always, just to keep this in mind, it's always better, uh, a better idea to leave a part of your traditional IRA to a charity as opposed to your Roth IRA or even a bank CD or cash. And the reason being is keep in mind that the traditional IRA money is only tax deferred, right? It's not tax free. Someone needs to pay taxes on the distribution unless it's a charity. charity. Yeah, okay. Then there's no tax, right? So adding a charity as an IRA beneficiary could be very powerful and it's also very simple. It's typically nothing more than a form as opposed to like redoing your entire will. As opposed to the Roth IRA money, that's income tax free money. So is cash. So it's better to leave that money to the family or an individual. One more thing too, at the end of the year, Mark, many people give cash gifts to family members. Uh, As a reminder, you can give up to $15,000 per year per person to anyone without a gift tax for the giver or the receiver or the need for a gift tax form. And that amount rises to $16,000 for next year. So that's something that people generally think about doing toward the end of the year. And here's a little known benefit. If you pay the education or medical expenses directly, for the recipient of the gift, it does not count toward the $15,000 limit. So you can pay, let's say, a $60,000 tuition payment directly to the college for your grandchild, and it doesn't count toward that $15,000 And still give them the 15 grand if you wanted to. Yep. Wow, that's a great point. A lot of good information here today on the show. A lot of good. It can get a little tricky, of course, and that's why we go through this. And, of course, that's a great thing about a podcast is you can go back and listen to it again if you're not quite getting it or whatever the case might be or just reach out to Don. So let's go ahead and transition, Don, to wrap up the podcast this week with the Cash Connection and take an email question from folks who are listening. We got one from Laurie, and she's in Shark River. Oh, <laughs> Shark River. That sounds like an interesting place to live. Anyway, she says a few years ago, Don, this is kind of a long one, so hang in here with me. She says a few years ago, a law was passed to reduce the deduction of my state and local taxes to a maximum of $10,000 of my federal tax return. My property taxes are now up to $12,000, $12,000, and my state income taxes are about $3,000. My husband and I are both 68 and work part-time. I got a letter from my congressman saying that there was a bill passed to restore the full deductibility of my state and local taxes, which is great. My neighbor, however, says it's a benefit for only the rich people. Is he right, and can you explain it? That is a long question, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It's <laughs> interesting, going though. On there. Yeah. 
It's a good. It's a great question, and it's something that you hear a lot um, now on the news. Okay, with this what they call this salt deduction for state and local taxes, uh, and and one thing to keep in mind is that was something that was passed through uh, the Congress it has not been enacted into law yet. Okay, okay? All right. So it's out there, kind of hanging in the Senate, and whether the this benefits you or not, it get, gets back to that issue of the tax change that passed four years ago that increases the standard deduction dramatically. So for you, Laurie, being married and over age 65, the standard deduction is $27,800. So if your state and local taxes are $15,000, like you mentioned, and you you don't have another $12,800 in deductions for things like charities or medical expenses or other things, you're better off with the standard deduction and the increase of this state mm. and local deduction change, the SALT deduction, it really means nothing to you. Uh, and remember what I said before, 87% of the public do not itemize their deductions. It, you know, It may matter more if you were single, and particularly if you're under age 65. In that case, the standard deduction is only $12,500. Right. Uh, it certainly matters a great deal to people with homes in very high property tax areas or states, or perhaps those who own multiple homes, and they could you know, have something like 20, 30, 40, $50,000 a year in property taxes. So uh, for those people, it, it matters a great deal. And from that standpoint, you, your neighbor's right, that is, this kind of a change really leans more toward a benefit for the wealthy. Okay. Well, fantastic question. Great answer. Uh, thanks for clearing that up, Don, for hopefully Lori, she's checking this out. And of course, if you've got questions again and need help, folks, as we wrap up the podcast this week, definitely reach out to a qualified professional before you take any action on anything here on our podcast or any other. And Don is. He is a CPA and a CFP, Certified Financial Professional, and he is here to help. So give him a jingle. If you've got some questions, stop by the website. The main website for Don is donaldcash.com. That is donaldcash.com. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources there. Or you could stop by the podcasting website, which is doncashpodcast.com. And they link to each other, so it shouldn't be too big of a deal for you. But doncashpodcast.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple or Google or Spotify. Whatever platform you like to use, that's that little heart icon most of the time on those apps. So when you're there listening to it, just hit the heart icon and that should get you all subscribed up to that episode and to the podcast in general. And you can find instructions on how to do that at the website as well. So Don, thanks for hanging out as always, my friend. I appreciate your time and I hope you have a great, uh, great holiday. You too, Mark. Be well. We'll see you next time here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash from Donald W. Cash and Associates. We'll see you next time here on the program. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.